0: Welcome to the Women's Mentoring Network of Canada, a podcast about ex-cadet women mentoring and building community together. I'm your host, Amanda Calhouse, a graduate of the Royal Military College of Canada, class of 1994 in electrical engineering. Good evening. Today I have with me Christine Karagiann. How are you doing today, Christine?
1: I'm doing very good, Amanda. Thank you for having me at your podcast, which it's a great, great initiative. I think it's so much fun as well, connecting all these women together. So a uh, great project. I'm proud to be here tonight. Well. I'm so
0: excited to have you because we've talked a little bit before this, and I think you have some interesting things to share with our listeners, especially about, you know, connecting with classmates. I'm excited for us to talk about that, but a little bit later. Let's start by introducing you to our listeners and tell us a little bit about which college you attended and what program you took.
1: All right. So you just mentioned about my classmates. So I'll dedicate this interview to my class of 1992 girlfriends.
0: <laughs> awesome.
1: All right. So to answer your question, Amanda, I attended the Collège Militaire Royal of Saint-Jean from 1987 to 1992.
0: Awesome. And tell us what programs did you study there and, and maybe even how you decided to go?
1: Okay, so I studied in business administration, but that was my bachelor degrees. But I back in the days but in Saint Jean we had the two first year cégep equivalent. Right. So my cégep was in uh, science pure in uh, in science. Okay. And the reason I decided to go, I didn't know anything about the military uh, other than the Rainbow movies <laughs> and uh <laughs> It's actually my school uh, orientator hmm. in Secondaire cat who, uh, you know, he said, you know, did you think about going into the military? And I was like, what? <laughs> but he offered me to go on those zoo parade. I don't know if you call it that way back in, in your days. We did. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, he said, you know, you could go to a zoo parade. So, uh, hey. Missing a day of school. It was free. I said, yeah, why not? So I came back. I was (laughs) hooked. It was a a great opportunity for me. I was very independent. So I needed a way out of home after high school. And it was my way out. And for me, I was going to go for one year. Wow. Just for one year. Just for one year. That was my plan. Just to. To build up a little bit of money which was not much yeah build up a little bit of money and then go back to a civilian school and uh, it was my way out okay
0: yeah. so now tell our listeners how long you actually stayed in the military for only 29 <laughs> years, years. <laughs> not days <laughs> years <laughs> so so that's really interesting, right? So you came in thinking, you know, yeah, yeah, this is a good opportunity for me to get out. I'll go for a year and and then I'll move on. So what changed?
1: I I loved it. I loved the adventure. I loved the camaraderie. I loved the teamwork. Um, I kind of love every aspect of it. And that, to be honest, it was less strict it. Milk hull than it was at home.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that says something. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there are, you know, there are freedoms that come with being at university, military or otherwise. So, yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. So, well, you've served 29 years in the military. So, when did you transition out and what are you doing now?
1: I transitioned out in 2016. But I actually, I had got out twice. I got out in 2009 for 22 months in the reserve force, came back in the reg force, but uh, I completely left the military in 2016. And so it's more than five years already. Wow. I've done many things since. But now I, uh, it's been two years. I'm with a great business partner, Diane Barry. Uh, Diane is uh, also a woman veteran from the military college. And uh, we found each other. And now we're, uh, we have our own company, which is called Diaki Experiences. Diaki, Diane, and Kiki, with Kiki is my nickname. No big uh, thing here, but uh, experiences as well. And we have a passion about inclusive leadership, and this is what we do. We assist individual teams, organization with our three main pillars really, which is inclusive leadership development, and then steam building and custom career transition. Oh, well. It seems
0: like it fits right with some of the things we've talked about right career transition mm-hmm. you i'm sure experienced that yourself so how did you get into that
1: you know i have to be honest my transition out of the military for myself was difficult okay i was uh, you know other ladies have talked about it and um i know monica from your last podcast talk a lot about grief And that really talked to me because, and Catherine Priestman as well, I've talked about identity when she got out. And I went through the same thing as well. Like, what am I going to do? You know, I was only 46 years old. It was a voluntary release. However, I I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, all I knew is that I would still have a lot of energy I still wanted to give back, I wanted to contribute, but I didn't really have a plan. Right. Because I was too busy in the forces to really think about my retirement or what I was going to do after I got out. So I said, I'm going to think about it once I get out. Like some people do that, some people don't. And I found out there's many people that it's hard. Yeah. There's many people, it goes well, but there's also many people, it's hard for them. So um, I had a great chance to meet Sandra Perron. Mm. Uh, Sandra is our first uh, infantry woman. She wrote a great book, Outstanding in the Field. And I joined her in her adventure with creating a... Uh, retreats and a center for veteran women. Right. And in that journey, she kind of saved me in a sense. Mm. She she gave me some wings and I found myself back and I wanted to help people. And I said, but it started with career transition. I said, you know, people don't have to go through what I've been through. Other people can benefit from, you know, right. my you know, my journey, my experience. So, um, and Diane was getting out of the forces and I asked her, I said, well, what? And then I went into coaching and uh, and I asked Diane, like, would you be my piggy pig? And, <laughs> and she was just getting out and I said, you know, I, I'm aiming to help people transitioning and, and then we fell in love with each other and we realized we had the similar passions. And then we had so many tools in our toolbox and we, if we had those tools when we were younger we would have had a different career right and now we it's a way for us to give back mainly to you know like we can train all kind of people but we're aiming mainly to young leaders right. uh, newly promoted newly uh, supervisors uh, younger People that are becoming in the management role in organizations. So, military as well. Uh, And we would range from sergeant to major. Okay. Yeah. We could teach and coach other people, but like this is like our main focus. We want to give back to the new generation, they will have the real impact. Oh, that's very cool. It's always interesting to
0: hear about the things that people have done, both in the military, but also post military. And, you know, I think helping others to see how the skills that you amass over a military career and how they can transition and be parlayed into new skills on the civilian world, I think is really good for everyone to sort of see and understand. Because I think. You know, what you mentioned has been a consistent theme. There are people who do struggle to figure out their identity. And and I actually don't think that that changes, you know, that's not just a military thing. I think that happens to people throughout their careers.
1: You're exactly right. And we find that there's a lot, a lot of people in nowadays, you know, we're not like the older generation and where other people were... Um, You know, you were having a career for life. You know, like it's recognized, it's proven that nowadays it's, we're going to have five to seven career and the new generation growing up, it's going to be even more and the job they're going to hold, they don't even exist yet. So, uh, (laughs) so this is so interesting. And then now you can transfer your different preferences, you know, like behavioral preferences, your motivation, Your deep values and now you can put your strength and your natural talent and then now you can transfer this to a new adventure to a new pattern, you know, and people that are getting out of the military doesn't matter if you've been doing a few years or many years. How you want to contribute or what you're going to do, but you all need to do that reflection. And this is where in that line of operation in career transition, we, we kind of get into, uh, into play, helping others to really find their, their deep motivation, their real identity. Because for many of us who wear the uniform for many years, mm-hmm. the next morning you're out of a uniform and who am I without my uniform?
0: Very true. Very true. So speaking of who am I, are there things that you learned about yourself when you were at military college? And, you know, did you realize it then? Or, you know, was it later on?
1: Oh, I've learned so much. But I don't think I, I realized it too much while I was there. It was maybe more later on in life. Maybe more now. Yeah, even with all my journey as a coach, as a uh, you know, with my personal development journey and everything. But one of the things I think I've learned the most from the military college is the self-confidence.
0: Right.
1: I was a very shy little girl <laughs> <laughs> when I joined the military, and I remember my dad telling me after Root camp when they came for the parade and they said he told me he said six weeks ago i think it was six weeks <laughs> or maybe it was eight i don't remember but uh, dad told me a few weeks ago i dropped here a teenager and now i have a woman in front of me uh. and that's what my dad told me and it really it really started there and i could do it I. I you know, like it was feasible. If you work hard and you you work as a team, there's so much you can accomplish and there's so much you can do. And I think that is my biggest learning, Yeah. you know, and then throughout the military career as well, I think, you know, you realize after the fact is like, oh my God, you know, like if I could do this and this and this, you know, there's not many other obstacles that are. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think sometimes we forget that because uh, I know I forget that from time to time. But, you know, when you when you take a step back and you look at things you have done, you're like, oh, yeah, this is nothing. <laughs> um. So so let's talk a little bit about your military career. What were um what were some of the the highlights of your military career?
1: This is always a, a hard question, but there is some highlights, and I have to say, like, some of them are from the college. Like hmm. we'll start there. Yeah, yeah, some highlights from the college. My first role as a uh, section commander for the recruit. For me, it was like I was outside of my zone. I uh, was very nervous, but this is where. I really got my real, real first leadership role and I'll never forget about it. We had an impact on the new recruits and I took this very seriously. For me, like it was not a joke. It was like, it was very serious. So, uh, and I, I always stayed with that, you know, like training somebody from civilian to become a military I think it's one of the nicest privilege we can have. And that's how I took it back in the days. And I still believe in it today. So that was one of my highlights. Mm. But well, I guess my first highlight. Yeah. Another highlights from the college. And this is I'm very proud to mention that one is the soccer team. Oh. Because Some of you don't know and I've listened to the podcast and I know some of you have played soccer in RMC and um, I created the soccer team, the first rep team female soccer team at CMR. I, I was the one who initiated that team and we were a bunch of women that didn't know anything about soccer except for one or two. And we didn't care because there was other rep team for women, but really there weren't many and the soccer team gave us an opportunity. And when I heard some of the ladies on the podcast say, you know, the soccer team, you know, that make me, you know, that makes my years and helped me. And it did help me too. And those years playing soccer with the women, it was like the best of the college time. You know, it it was so much fun and there was so much bonding there and uh, so. It was important. The soccer team is a big thing.
0: <laughs> I'm like, you and I have that in common then, because I played, I, know. I played the first year they had soccer at RMC, although I had no experience coming in. <laughs>
1: this is it yeah most of the girls who played soccer back in those years yeah. in the rep team never played soccer no it's true and it didn't matter it's like we've learned and uh, you gave it all you rushed to the ball and uh, whatever it worked <laughs> they they have grown
0: that program so much from where it started i uh, i don't know if you've ever gone back for an ex-cadet game uh the caliber is uh way
1: higher (laughs) but even the year I went I think I went to the college the year one or two year after I graduated and the caliber was already way higher like the 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 new one coming were like so good it was like so nice to see yeah I remember how we started we started with the old man uniform because they wouldn't give us our own uniform so we took the old the old man Team uniform. That's how we started. Wow! And uh, yeah, (laughs) and it was funny. It it was funny, and uh, but it was fun, and. when they closed CMR, I went to RMC and uh, that was the mission of those girls. And I know Luralee Lee was one of them who brought the soccer team to RMC and hearing this from you girls, like it makes a big, uh, I'm like, Yay! yeah, it was, like, it was a lot of fun. So that was one of my highlights from the college so other highlights in my career uh, most of my deployments uh, outside canada uh, overseas or in canada overseas i, I deployed in bosnia in 99 2000 and i deployed in afghanistan in 2010 11 i was on the last rotation oh, wow. in afghanistan and it was a particular role i was a uh, a mentor Yep. with the afghan army i have a friend and, who was there too yeah and uh,
0: who was she uh he walter norquay um he was my two ic in my last posting
1: <laughs> yeah so that deployment it was very particular because uh many men many of my peers were telling me you know like are you sure you want to do this and I didn't really think about it first. I just thought it was a great opportunity. And then I'm like, before I left, we had that cultural training. And uh, that guy was like, I don't know, he put some so much stress on me. Mm-hmm. So when I, the first week I got in Afghanistan was not pretty. Oh, no. But um, anyway, it was a big learning experience. But one of my biggest experience in the forces and... To connect with these guys and even though like they, you thought they would not respect a woman in uniform, but they did. It, it was amazing. Like, uh, it didn't take me much longer than my male peers because they had to go through the same thing. It didn't take much me longer. And, um, talking about Afghanistan, yeah. but a lot of things are going on right now. And my interpreter, I'm in contact with him almost every day now. And uh, we're trying to get him to Canada with the six members of his, of his family. So, uh, it's tough. Yeah. There's two of us who he's been our interpreter through the years. He served Canada for five years as an interpreter and the last year he got shot. Oh, and uh, so he went through a lot and uh, right now he's going through a lot too so uh, yeah we're we're having a big thought for them and uh, praying yeah. every day for the people in afghanistan that was a uh, part of my highlights as well yeah
0: it must be hard to watch the news you know for things like that at this point i would imagine
1: yes it is hard actually i'm one of those person who doesn't listen much to the news. Okay just because they are too depressing in general. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's something I've been doing for a long, long time, just to protect myself from uh, being depressed too much. I pick and choose uh, yeah. what I read. Yeah.
0: I uh, I have some similar uh, <laughs> approaches. <laughs> so maybe tell me a little bit about mentorship and did you, you know, throughout your career, you know, i it's interesting to hear that you were a mentor in Afghanistan, right? Um, you know, so, I mean, and mentorship applies equally to men and women. But I am curious if, you know, if mentorship from women was something that you did see or were able to provide during your career. Obviously, you're doing that a lot now, but.
1: Unfortunately, no. I didn't have the chance to be mentor either by a man or a woman. I had a very uh, non-typical career path. Okay. One of the main reasons was because I was mainly following my husband, who was an armored officer. So uh, we had made a deal where what was important is to be together. Right. So sometime it was me, sometimes it was him, but we would refuse a posting that would favorize our career progression versus being together. Right. So I followed most of the time. So you take whatever is offering you. And it worked. I had a great career, uh, great opportunities. And, you know, like it's funny how life can go sometimes. Is like, I would never expect to be going up the rank as I did because I made a choice early in my career to take a leave without pay, to follow my husband in France for two years. I was only a young lieutenant. So uh, overall, I was five years lieutenant because -hmm. because I took years without pay. I come back. I was pregnant. Back in the days you were pregnant, you couldn't be promoted. I was lieutenant forever so you make those choices you make the choice to have a family and you live with the consequences of it and uh, well life goes on move on and then you realize oh i'm promoted major never thought i would be a major and then later on you're promoted lieutenant colonel never thought i would be lieutenant colonel like especially when you're getting out you're coming back and you're like oh okay you know i guess i'm doing something well here you know like And then you know a couple months in the rank of lieutenant colonel, and then they they gave me an interim position for twenty two months as a colonel. Oh wow! Which anyway, it's a long story, but uh, you know, like all these things were weren't expected. Yeah. But to answer your question. (laughs) all through this, no, I didn't have mentorship mm-hmm. and I wish I had, and I wish, you know, what you're doing today, you know, like would have exist. So it's nice to be able to give back now and then uh, to see those programs and, uh, you know, I had a few people contacting me and uh, with this program and uh, another one too. And then it's nice to see that, you know, we can uh, provide the, just a talk. You right. know, sometimes it's just just the fact that you need you have somebody you can talk to yes. and bounce ideas. It makes a big difference. You're not alone in the, because there's been time in your career. You're wondering. You're like, okay, you know, should I do this or should I do that? It, it's not all need for career. It's like for you as an individual to grow as well. So uh, yeah.
0: It's very true. And I think it's certainly something that seems to have evolved over the last number of years where, you know, even in my workplace, um, I think, you know, mentorship has increased significantly in the last several years versus when I first started there. It's good to see that. And, you know, I enjoy hearing when people have had it, but it doesn't surprise me (laughs) as much when people haven't had it. Now, you alluded at the beginning of the podcast to your group of friends from the class of 92. So tell me a little bit about, you know, how that came to be. And did that start at CMR?
1: I have to say, no, it didn't start at the college. Obviously, you know, like we were good friends and, uh, you know, some of us were, uh, Well, either roommates, uh, you get closer, obviously, to your roommates and you get closer to your classmates as well. Like, you know, some of them are your roommate, classmate, but it stayed there. And I think it's more after. For us, it's more after we, we kept contact and you know it's funny I was looking at my yearbook I I, I was looking at my yearbook just to see you know like to double check and yes there was 25 women who graduated in our CMR class of 92 which is the most class with women ever from CMR I could say still from today and it was very particular because we had a lot of girls coming from uh, RMC from Rhodes in second year and we had others that are BA which started in first year we had some repeaters anyway all bunch of girls it makes up a bigger group right and and it's more after you know I for whatever reason I like to connect with my former girlfriends and like every week I a virtual walk with at least one of them and uh, it's awesome that is and awesome if it, and it wouldn't be of them I would not be here tonight and I would not be here with you I would not be with Jackie I would not have in in some and you know what I think I would not even be still with my husband. (laughs) So, but you know, because life is messy, there's up and down. And if I didn't have my girlfriends, I don't know where I would be. And I know I help them too. And, you know, we're here for each other. And sometimes, some I speak more often, some less, but it doesn't matter there's that connection and we all know what i when i say this we all know that in this group of women from the college we know that feeling of like okay it could be two years could be 10 years you haven't talked to to someone but you know yeah there's that connection so um they're very important in my life
0: That's awesome. Well, I'm wondering if you have some advice for others and whether it's around friendship or transition or advice that you'd like to leave our listeners with today.
1: Reach out, you know, connect, you know, your friends, your friendship, they're important. And we never know when you're going to need help in life. You know, we all have up and downs and that Reach out, you know, some it's, they get their help from their family. Some get f- from their friends, some gets from a colleague, but open up, reach out. It's a powerful tool. Maybe I can give an example. Yeah, you... for sure. I lost one of my child at birth. Uh, I have four children in yeah. life, but I, I lost my third one at that time. I was in grief, obviously. Yeah. And if it wouldn't have been of my girl's friend, you know, like they bring me up, but many didn't know what to do. We don't know what to say, you know, when somebody is grieving or. So I was a bit lonely because people were at the reflex to leave me alone. Right. And well, my best friend told me, she's like, I'm calling you. I don't know what to say. We want to be there for you, but we don't know what to do. And I said, Thank you. I said, I know exactly what I need to do. And what I did is I made a schedule for them to call me. That's awesome. And I needed them. Yeah. And they helped me. But this is just one example of, you know, we can be there for each other in little things. Yeah. And uh, in harder things and in good things, too. Yeah. So um, the friendship we built at the college, I think, is unique. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think so too, and um, I mean it's fantastic that you have been able to, you know, maintain those connections over the years. And I hope that for others like myself who maybe weren't so good at maintaining all of those connections over the years, that this is a way, you know, that's what I hope for. The you know, as part of the podcast, that it it's a way to bring people back together that maybe lost that connection and can reconnect because, you know, it certainly was foundational for most of us in some way, shape or form. It wasn't positive for everyone. So I know not everyone has, you know, a a positive experience out of it, but I think, you know, there are connections out of it that, that persist, right?
1: There is. And uh, you're right. eh? It was not always a good positive experience. There were some hard time either at the college or in the military in, in service, service yeah. and we all had some some obstacle just by being a woman it came with a bag of difficulties right but that makes us grow even stronger now so uh, this yeah. is where we can see okay now we're stronger and we're stronger together yes and we can help the next generation so they don't have to go through what we went through C'est, it's, c'est fini la mentalité ah j'ai fait mon temps puis ils doivent faire leur temps ouais c'est vrai yeah c'est,
0: yeah That's, that, it's time has passed
1: exactly so um, yeah that time has passed it's time to help each other out and help the new yeah to build build each other up and they can because they need to be strong with everything going on and they will build the new culture they will build the new way of doing things it's on them but yeah why not helping them yeah
0: thank you so much for joining me tonight on the podcast i really appreciated talking
1: to you thank you amanda and uh, continue to do this because yes you're going to bring people together
0: Thank you for joining us today on the Women's Mentoring Network of Canada podcast. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, please reach out to us at WMNCanada at gmail.com or on Instagram. Special thanks to our podcast editor, Ethan Kuenka.